Hello, my name is Blair Murphy and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service and life experiences. This week I'm speaking to Fernando Rocha about his conversion experience and a little bit about his mission. I hope you enjoy it. Well, Fernando, it's great to catch up with you and speak about your conversion experience. How are you this evening? I'm great and thanks for having me. Yes, well, I know you pretty well. You serve as uh, my counselor in the Bishop Brick, and um, I feel like we could probably do a whole series of podcasts based on your life and experiences. But I thought, um, I thought just today we would focus on your, um, I guess, your conversion to the church. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from, what your childhood was like? Set the scene for us. All right. So I'm from Brazil originally. My history is very interesting about the church because I, I got to know the church when I was very young. Uh, I remember attending the church when I was about three or four years old, when my dad, my mom, was got baptized. But then they became inactive at the church before I got baptized. So I guess uh, when I was about seven, almost to turn eight, I stopped attending the church, right? And then after 10 years, and very interesting because I was not even thinking about the church. I was playing soccer almost professionally, very far away from home. And then one of my cousins just started listening for the missionaries. And then she said to me, do you want to listen as well? I said, I don't, because I know those guys. I, they used to come to my place to have like a meal or whatever. Yeah. And then she just insisted. And then I said, yes, I'll, I'll sit for a message. The reason that I said yes was because it was, as I said, like very far away from my place. And I knew, at least I, I thought they would never find, find me like my room, in my home, right? Uh-huh. So w- when I met with the missionaries, uh, with my cousin, they asked me for my address. And I said, I'll give it to them because there's no way they're going to find me. <laughs> but, well, after, after a few weeks, they knocked my door. <laughs> and, you know, I, when I looked for, uh, through the window, I said, my mom, go there and said, I'm not here. I'm not interested. Well, the missionaries came back three times. And then I was, I was given like an excuse. And then the last time I said to my mom, look, stop giving ex- excuse. I will go there and I'll tell them that I don't want to meet with them. Right. And then that time that was very interesting because when I walked to the, to the gate and I saw the missionaries, something changed in my heart. I couldn't explain what or why I invite them to come over. And then all of a sudden they were like in my house, uh, teach me a lesson. After the, the, the lesson, I thought, is some, there is something here for me. Mm. And they then just invited me to come to church. And I don't think ever yeah. they thought I would go. Uh, I had no clothes at all for going to church, right? Mm-hmm. But I did remember my dad used to have like a big, my dad was six something, right? I'm five, five six. And then I got some of dad's clothes. I just, I mean, folded up all, all that I could and I show up to the church. The missionaries couldn't believe it. I was there, but yeah, I did. <laughs> so um, your, your mom, was it just your mom that had got baptized or did your dad get baptized as well back when you were a very young child? Mm-hmm. Actually, my dad got baptized first and then he baptized my mom and my older brother. Oh, wow. Okay. You, you mentioned it was 10 years later when you were playing soccer that you met the missionaries again. But what was life at home like? Presumably they were Catholic before they joined the church. In Brazil, everyone's Catholic to some degree or another. Was there any religion in the home? Do you remember having, I guess, gospel discussions? Did you have spiritual experiences as a child? Or was it was there sort of a void in, in your life of sort of spirituality? 
I guess we had like a sort of a void in the life in terms of religion. Uh, but I do remember my dad. Uh, I mean, now I can I can recognize as a young uh, child. I wouldn't I mean thought about it, but I guess my dad always I mean still uh, kept living the gospel principles. Uh, just in an example, I've, I've never saw my dad just like I mean having like I mean an alcoholic beverage. I've mm -hmm. never saw it, and then uh, he would uh, teach us as well that he would never want us to to get involved with those kind of things. So the principles were there, although we haven't discussed as a family. So the missionaries have um, tracked you down far away from that first um, first visit. I presume there were different missionaries now, right? They sent on the referral. Yeah, yeah. The I like how you describe that sort of change of heart as you're walking to meet the missionaries. It's almost how Ted Phipps described his conversation with the mission president and his conversion experience, you know. Um, he had one state of mind, one state of being, and then... Um, in an instant, it sort of changed, right? Um, and then you go to go to church in this massive suit of your dad. So, what was your first uh, week at, at church like? Well, it was different, let's say, right? <laughs> I didn't know anybody there, and also I hadn't—I mean, I had no idea what I expected to. I mean, surprisingly, I was very welcomed at that day, and then I attended this second meeting, but I couldn't remember to have like a second—I mean, hour or third-hour church, right? As soon as I finished second meeting, I just went home because I thought it was done. I remember, I think it was about like, I mean, 2 p.m. or so. The missionaries knocked at my door at the same day. They said, look, what happened? Because I haven't seen you after the second meeting. I said, well, haven't finished. You have something more. Then <laughs> <laughs> they explained to me, or like a, or like a three hours block church, right? <laughs> now as today, only two. <laughs> So what did you think of that as an 18-year-old signing up? for? You're about 18 at this stage, right? 18, 19? Yeah, right? close to 18, yeah. Okay. And so what did you think about, you know, the prospect of attending three hours of church on a Sunday? That must have been a shock to the system. Yeah, it was. It was. But look, let me tell something, Bishop. But when I, when I saw the missionaries again knocking on my door, although I haven't been baptized when I was a young child, lots of the members come back to my mind, right? One of the memories that came to my mind was seeing my dad baptize my mom and my brother. That kind of memory, although I wasn't thinking about it during my childhood, I think it never was like wiped it out. As soon as I saw the missionaries, that memory came clear to my mind. And then I knew something more was there for me. So I think I wasn't afraid of having like a three hours, I mean, at church, I mean, uh, meetings. I think I was more afraid of having friends. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you can imagine my life would be, uh, would be like, I mean, I, I completely change and I wouldn't need like somebody, some friends to support me along the way. Mm. Probably that was like the biggest concern that I had. I'm just a little bit surprised, I guess, to hear that a 17 year old is able to, I guess, recognize the opportunity, I think right, is able to recognize this opportunity. You seem to have really easily recognized that there was um, something there in the gospel for you. Is that your natural personality? Is that common culturally in Brazil for young people to sort of look for that? Or why do you think that happened like that for you? I don't think it is like a common thing. And I don't, even, I don't think even it was like my personality. Uh, I guess, uh, I, I don't know how to explain, but probably the best thing that I can describe is uh, feeling the spirit. As I said, like I wasn't even like, I mean, interested to hear from the missionaries, but then when they came to my place, they taught me the first lesson. 
I found something that I even couldn't understand or recognize. But again, I saw something there that touched my heart. And I thought, I thought well, that must be something more that I have to pursue. And those kind of, I mean, feeling just motivated me to keep going. Interestingly, uh, I was baptized only two weeks after the, the first time that I met with the missionaries. Oh, really? So t- t- yeah, tell me yeah. about those two weeks then. These must be important two weeks. So you meet with the missionaries, you come to church in a big suit, you're worried about having friends. What happens to get you to a point where you can agree to be baptized? Well, the missionaries came back to teach more lessons. They I mean, invited me to be baptized. And then I said, well, I might be get baptized. And then after they told me that I have to pray about it. And then I did pray, right? I asked the Heavenly Father if I would, I mean, uh, make a right decision, just join the church. And then I had like, I mean, uh, a clear feeling that I, I should do it. And then I came to speak with my dad, because my dad, as I said, like when he was inactive from the church, uh, not attending the church for a couple, quite a couple of longer years, and he wasn't that happy. But he said to me, look, if you think we are considering getting baptized, you must think further, further because it is a big decision in our life. I don't want to do want to do it just like I me mean, after a month or six months, whatever, just giving up. It is a serious commitment. If you want to do the commitment, do it uh, seriously. Uh, take your time and make your decision. Of course, I mean, those words just, I mean, uh, were hard for me to hear because I knew that I would have to change my life in so many ways. But then I went to and I did my prayer and then I felt great about the, I mean, uh, the prayer as well, the church, and I decided to get baptized. How did you feel? You know, what were the words of that prayer, if you can recall them? And then what was the feeling that gave you the confidence to make that decision? Well, at that time, I remember my, my dad was just like, I mean, doing some renovations at the house. And I was used to have like I mean, lots of noises, right? During the day, just I mean, for the renovations. And then I remember that I, I went to pray during the night and I still thinking those noises in my head. And then when I just prayed, I felt so much like I'm in peace and I couldn't hear any noise. I knew that nobody was working that time, but there were no noise in there. It was just the, that feeling of peace uh, confirming to me that I have to do something and change something in my life. And probably the biggest decision that I have to make was giving up, giving up soccer, right? The soccer that I used to play, many of the games were just on Sundays. Mm. And the first thing that I have to decide is, do I want to do this? Do I want to give it up like I'm in a dream of uh, playing like professionally, whatever in my life? Although it was a hard decision, I honestly, I didn't thought about it at the time because I knew that I had to change. Mm. Was there pushback from teammates or, or friends about this decision that you're making? Like you were one of the guys down at the soccer field, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, no, give that away. I'm going to go to church for three hours on Sunday. Well, I think it was a lot of friendship had to be, I mean, uh, finished, right? <laughs> because sometimes either we do properly or you don't, right? In my case, uh, of course, some of those friends... Uh, I had just to give it up on them. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to change or I would change and just regret I mean, right after mm. and come back to my old life. Yeah, it strikes me that your dad was speaking from experience, right? So he had joined the church and then he hadn't stuck with it at that point, right? He was giving you a bit of fatherly advice, wasn't he? And it was what you needed to hear to jump in with both feet. Well, tell me about your baptism then. Well, I was uh, a very, like, I mean, it was in 17th of December. 
And although it was like, I mean, uh, a season where it's, it's hot, the water was pretty cold. I can't remember clearly, the water was very, very cold. <laughs> but it didn't matter much, right? What didn't, uh, didn't matter for me was um, having friends in there. Uh, that's something that I, I, I'm proud to say that even it was like a short period of time, just two weeks get, I mean, ready for my baptism. I met and I made so good friends in that time. And I remember having at least like I mean, five or six good friends from church at my baptism. And those guys, they hold my hand for a long time, right? After getting baptized, a few, few Sundays, I had no desire to come to church. I, I would need to walk like 45 minutes to get back to church and 45 minutes to get back home. And then a few Sundays, I had no desire. But every single Sunday that I was thinking of not attending church, I had like uh, somebody knocking on my door, saying, look, that's time to go to church. And I would say, no, I'm not going to this. And now you're going. I'm waiting here until dress up. We're going to church together. Mm. So those friends of mine, they just, they, they, they were the ones that just, I mean, really changed my life because they hold my hand for a long, long, long time. Were there other things that these friends did that were particularly impactful for you? Were there other experiences with them or other people that really helped you in those first few months as you were adjusting to this new life? Yeah, absolutely. When those friends that I mentioned, they they helped me a lot. Actually, they came with me at least and helped myself at least twice or three times a week. We'd go for mutuals, like, I mean, uh, every week. And also an extra night to go for the church just to clean the trays for the sacrament. Mm. So they, as I said, they hold literally my, my, my hands for a long time. Um, so you went on a mission as well, didn't you? How many years later was um, your mission call? I started my mission exactly a year and a month after I got baptized. Really? So this next 12 months is a just full-time mission prep. Was it an easy decision to serve a, a mission and were your family supportive of it? Well, I, I didn't want to serve a mission when I got baptized, right? Because okay. I thought I had like, I mean, my life sorted. I had like my, I mean, started, started the uni and like in a few months, whatever. I had like, I mean, a full-time work already. I said, look, mission is not for me. Mission is for those that just got baptized when we were like eight. And all the church has all the knowledge for long years, right? And then, of course, I mean, something changed during the course. And it was the seminary. Because ah. uh, I started doing the seminary uh, on a daily basis. And then when I got the time, when I, I, I listened and I read about the uh, sons of Mosiah and their experience, I said, look, I should be doing this as well myself. <laughs> and then just, yeah, well, it was pretty intense. And then, well, if everybody came to me and said, look, I'm ready, preparing for a mission. I said, no, I'm not serving my mission. I would mm-hmm. say that for everyone that would ask, right? Mm-hmm. But after four or five months, I decided that I have to serve my mission. Then my biggest concern was, do I have time to prepare myself to get the enough knowledge that I have to, to teach somebody? And then I've decided to take the institute together. So mm-hmm. I did like the same year seminary because I was, I mean, 18 uh, already and mm-hmm. institute together. Just try to prepare myself as, as the best that I could. And that's what I did. So after a year, I was in my mission. I was called to serve in uh, Recife, actually in Brazil. That's the northeast part of the country. I was a better bishop because my dad didn't want me to serve, right? Mm. I had to face like man, a huge challenge with my dad because when I came back in the old days, they need to sign the paper, right? Mm. To, uh, to authorize you going to the, the, to the mission. And he just refused to sign the paper. 
more than that, he said to me, if you keep it mean, uh, with this decision, you should leave my home. Mm-hmm. And then it happened. So I left my, my, my house for a couple of days. And then those friends of mine, they just, I mean, uh, embraced myself. And I stayed a friend of mine for a couple of days until my uh, uh, grandma, uh, my dad's mom, he had a conversation with my dad and then he invited me to come back to, to the house. Okay. So grandma gave dad the hard word, did she? And so uh, she did back in the house, eh? Okay, cool. So he, he ultimately agreed, I guess, um, for you to serve a mission, did he? Albeit reluctantly. I know he, he agreed and also he helped me buying like my clothes, all the kind of stuff. Uh, do you know why his heart changed so much? I think he was concerned about my education. Just having like, I mean, uh, put like I mean, two years, like I mean, uh, uh, break in my education. I think it was his biggest concern. Mm-hmm. We don't have time to go into your mission, I guess, in, in a lot of detail on this discussion and maybe we will at another time. But looking back on those two years, how was the... Fernando post-mission different to pre-mission Fernando? What did, you, what did you learn in those two years? And feel free to share a couple of experiences if, if that would help illustrate. But yeah, I'm just keen to understand the, the difference that occurred in you through, through that experience. Well, I think uh, uh, myself after my mission was like an, a real convert in the church, right? I think at the beginning when I, I joined the church, I, I thought I had the testimony. And I, I, I did my best with the testimony that I have, I mean, in that year of a period of time, but I, I'm pretty sure my testimony was strengthened again, my real testimony when I was on my mission. Mm-hmm. Because the experience that I, I, I lived in my mission just changed my life completely. Because mm-hmm. uh, I can share like a few experiences, but what I probably would say is uh, seeing people change their lives mm-hmm. really changed mine first. Because mm. I thought I was there to uh, teach people to get help them to get baptized, but the real con- I mean convert, and that mission was myself. I had like I mean one experience I can share probably. This is experience that I had was towards to the end of my mission. I think it was about eighteen to nineteen months uh, serving already, and then I was serving the uh, mission office at that stage, and then uh, the mission used to have like a uh, a branch very far away from the office. Because uh, our mission used to have like a three different states. And it was about like, I mean, 12, I mean, hours driving. And then at some stage, the mission press just, I mean, uh, stopped receiving like, any news from that I mean, branch. And he asked me to travel, to drive to there and see what, what was going on in there. Then I drove about 12 hours, right? When I got there, I realized the branch president wasn't active. And the one that was like, I mean, uh, just, I mean, conducting the meeting was the young man's president without nobody knowing. Uh-huh. Hence why no report were like I mean, given to the mission president as well. Mm-hmm. So I called the mission president and said to them, look, to him, uh, something's very, very odd here. Only five or six people are attending church now. And I explained to him everything. He said to me, look, there's no way that we can have this branch uh, open anymore. What you have to do is just go end the lease for the house, get all the furniture, drive like I mean, 200 kilometers to start like missionary's house come back to the office. And then I did, right? Mm-hmm. What's Peter said doing that stuff because the family that kept in there, they have no chance to attend church regularly anymore. Mm-hmm. They would need to, to drive at least like two or two hours and a half every single Sunday. So I did as I was asked, right? When I came back to the office a few days later and I said to the mission president, look, I've done out of asked. 
the church is just, I mean, uh, end in that city. And he looked at my eyes. He said to me, look, I had a different feeling this past two days. We cannot close that city because something might happen there. And I've decided to release you from the office now. And we'll go, back, go there and going to be the branch president. You'll do whatever you have to do just to get the church going in that city. And I, I, I was just, I mean, so scared because... As you can imagine, just a year as a member of the church, I had no idea how other sport would work, really society. I had no idea, right? Mm-hmm. And I said this to him and he said to me, look, what we're going to do is uh, at least like a week or so during the day, from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., we're going to close yourself in, the, in your office in the, at the, the, the chapel. We're going to read the, the manual, right? From cover to cover. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions, you're going to call me. So it was like an intensive week, just like, calling my mission president to understand how the church would work. Uh, after a few weeks, uh, I had like at least uh, uh, I understand how the church would need to work in there. And then I had like, I mean, a very strong feeling. My feeling was, I know that I can baptize many people here in this city that will be able to run the church. I need to go back and do reactivation. I need to get people back to church. And then I start looking for the members uh, directory and then I, I picked some number, names and I said, I will knock those doors and get them back to church. And we did. The first one that we were blessed to, uh, to reactivate was the branch president. And uh, he helped us to get to know other people in, in the branch as well. Mm-hmm. But after, I think it was a couple of weeks uh, that that's experience, I knocked specifically one door looking for like, I mean, uh, a member and he wasn't even there anymore. But I found somebody that, completely change that city in terms of um, church experience, right? Mm. That guy, his name was Valdir, and he was like, I mean, living like in a villa. His dad used to own that villa, it was like about six or seven houses. And then we started teaching him and his family, and he decided to get baptized. And we baptized his family. I think it was him, his wife, and two kids. And he said to me, that's not enough. I'm going to introduce you all my friends, from the villa that my, my dad owns, we're going to baptize all of them. I said, no joke. No, no way. <laughs> well, we start teaching everybody in that villa and we end up like baptizing 26 people at the same day. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Incredible. At that stage, yeah, at that stage, what happened was I told me, uh, the mission, mission president, we have to come here. We have to do like, I mean, a branch, I mean, a conference. And you have to have somebody that will continue to work in the city because I, I'll be gone in a month or so. Yeah, that's right. You have to have somebody here. So interestingly, what happened was the mission president came and also he brought, he brought with him the stake president for the area. And the stake president brought like the leadership from his stake to get to know those people. Mm-hmm. In that day, the mission president called uh, Elder Scorum president. Mm-hmm. And it was called that friend of mine, Valdir, that I mentioned. He was called the, the Elder Scorum President. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, recall, I recall that day when I was having the bench conference, the attendance was about 85 people in about four months. Wow. But the number wasn't important. The importance was how the life of those people and my life changed in that experience. Mm-hmm. I knew that I had to trust in the Lord. But I had no idea that the Lord could do like those marvelous things. Just if I had like I mean the willingness to to follow Him, like in every single thing that I have to to do in our lives, 
And I guess uh, looking back for my conversion, uh, when I was like a young kid, 17 years old, I must turn 18. I had no idea those things, those kind of experiences uh, would happen in my life. But I can tell from that small branch, uh, now we have like I mean, a beautiful uh, chapel in that city, uh, two wards. Uh, many, many of me, uh, young men has served missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have like, I mean, some friends that I, I still have contact with them until today, uh, serving different calls in the church. But again, I guess uh, the biggest change was in my heart. Those kind of experiences just completely changed myself. I thought I had a testimony before I went to my mission, but I realized my testimony was so fragile but I got the testimony, I, I learned, I understand the God's love when I was sort of my mission. Thank you for sharing that. It's, um, <laughs> it's amazing that, that um, experience. And, you know, it kind of reminds me that, you know, when Heavenly Father wanted to restore the church, he didn't choose a religion professor. He chose, you know, what we sometimes call an empty vessel, you know, Joseph Smith. And it was almost the same thing that your mission president did. He didn't call, you know, a fourth generation, really seasoned missionary. He chose a, a great missionary who didn't have that experience in the church. And he said, read, read the handbook and make it happen, right? And by make it happen, I mean, rely on the Lord for him to make it happen, right? But the feeling that I had was, I wasn't by myself. I wasn't alone. I had, like, I mean, so much help. I had help from, of course, from the Lord. He was there all the time, but I had, I mean, so much support from those that was, I mean, coming back to church. And for those ones that were new at the church as well, they had so many, so much energy. I just felt Zion. Mm. I felt that we were like, I mean, just like fighting together to help the the Lord's, I mean, uh, cause in that time and in my life. Mm. I felt so blessed because I, I, I know, I know that was like, I mean, uh, somebody could help and I did help. But for sure, it wasn't my work, mm-hmm. wasn't my, uh, my ideas, was the Lord's idea, was the Lord's loving guidance that helped myself and help all of those people to have the church established in that city. Um, so having experiences like that and then coming home, that must have really changed your perspective on what the gospel could do for your life moving forward. How did you approach decision-making and, um, I guess, service in the church as a returned missionary based on those experiences? Well, I would decide when I finish my mission. It doesn't matter what kind of calling or responsibility that they will give me. I will accept it, and I will do the best of my heart because I, I need myself to keep feeling those kind of feelings and having those experiences just to keep myself active in the church. Yeah, one of the biggest concerns that I had was uh, how that would keep like I mean, sharing the gospel, not mm. being a missionary. And then what I tried to do was uh, just talk with everybody that I could after sharing like I mean uh, my experience or even like I mean my testimony or like something about the church because I knew that I had to keep that fire just like I mean I mean uh, blowing all the time or there was just like I mean we're gone. Thank you so much for sharing those experiences. It's um... 
a wonderful conversion experience and um, great to hear about those experiences from your mission too. Maybe to close, would you just share your testimony with us? Share how the gospel has blessed your life and maybe in another episode we'll have a chance to speak about life post-mission and all of that, but just love to hear, you know, how you feel about the gospel. I would say the gospel just changed my life so much that I, I know that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm confident Jesus is our Christ. And uh, even after my mission, having like, I mean, different experience and different callings, I've never had a, uh, an opportunity to forget what I've learned in my mission and to forget that Jesus is a Christ. Even like in the low moments in my life, I always knew and I knew that Jesus is the Christ. So those kind of experiences uh, helped me just, I mean, uh, keep trying, just, I mean, uh, striving. Of course, our lives have like, I mean, highs and lows. Mm. But in those lows, I've always felt the Lord's hand in my life and helping me making decisions. And of course, a uh, few of the decisions were wrong, wrong. Mistakes were made. But I guess the the best thing that I can say and share about my testimony is the small things that I keep doing every single day in my life uh, has kept me alive. Uh, in terms of uh, just praying, reading the scriptures, coming to church every single Sunday uh, ha- has helped me to keep moving my life and supporting my family. Yeah, I love the gospel. I love the church. I love serving the church. I love just being around the mem- members of the church because... Uh, I could never imagine back uh, 35 years ago that I would be like I mean, an active member of the church and I'll be still here today sharing this podcast with you. Well, thank you for taking the time. Um, you're, you're wonderful and we, we love you and your family and um, it's just been great to hear some more of those experiences. So thank you very much. Pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Fernando. This guy has so many stories, I'll have to catch up with him again another time just to capture a few more of his experiences. But for now, that's all I have for you until I speak to you again here in the Bishop's Office.